Hey everyone, before this podcast begins, we want to tell you about some other arts-related podcasts you're going to love. They are The Conduit Music Podcast, Artsville, Gringo and the Man, Art World Horror Stories, and Not Real Art. On these action-packed podcasts, you'll hear experts talk about creativity, design, the music biz, the art world, visual art, American craft, Chicano art, street art, graffiti, and even stand-up comedy. So be sure to find and follow these great arts podcasts today. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast, where we celebrate creative culture and the artists who make it. I'm your host, Sourdough, coming to you from Crew West Studio in Los Angeles. Man, do we have a cool program for you all today. I have no doubt you will learn, grow, and be inspired by today's show. Before we get into our main event, I want to thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode and subscribe. Your likes and follows help ensure you won't miss any of our new shows, and it makes the algorithm gods happy, which helps us. So thanks for that. Also, be sure to visit our website, notrealart.com. Sign up for our newsletter to keep your finger on the pulse of everything we're doing here at Not Real Art for artists and our lovers. A lot of great stuff there. On the website, you'll see you'll get uh, free educational videos. You can sign up for our artist grant for the chance to receive two thousand dollars. Can buy affordable original contemporary art through our partnership with Sugar Press. And you can become a supporter through Patreon if you want. So be sure to check out our website today for all the good, healthy stuff we got for you. All right, guys, for today's show, I got a set of vibe. Here we go. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there. Yeah, so I wanted to set the vibe, this vibe in particular, because today we got the one and only Ghetto Geppetto, the one and only creator of Hoodland, Hoodfoot, the one and only Roy Miles is here with us today. Creator of the Biddies. Some of you know. You know what I'm talking about, some of you. The, the dopest among you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know, you better know. You better you better better figure it out. Better do your research. Ghetto Geppetto people. Hoodfoot. Roy Miles. This is even this is the, these beats are even his. You know, these are some lo-fi beats. You know, I, I, if I had it in me, I'd practice my whack-ass raps 
as he has instructed. I just, I just don't have it in me. But I tell you what, Roy's got it in him. Love this guy. One of a kind. Beautiful human. Creative genius. A Swiss army knife, people. A Swiss army knife. A box full of tools. Toolbox? Definitely. Definitely has got a killer toolbox. Let's get into this. Let's make it happen. And here, from the one and only, Roy Miles, a.k.a. Ghetto Geppetto. Roy Miles, welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Dude, this is long overdue. I feel like I owe you an apology. Like, you should have been, like, one of the first. Nah, man. You get it when you get it. And greater later, <laughs> other rhyming things that are true. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, it's, it's great to see you. So, I mean, there's so much to cover. I mean, and, you know, obviously, you know, when people hear this podcast, I will have done a good job of introing you and pumping you <laughs> up and they'll know that uh, you are the one and only ghetto palmetto the creator of hood foot on and on multiple toys all the good stuff ghetto geppetto ghetto yeah, palmetto i'm sorry well good. yeah that, well I that like was that. A, that's another that's guy a new one. <laughs> that's, uh, right Paolo right I'll, I'll get it right in the <laughs> intro i'll get it right in the intro but you're just prolific as hell i mean you know you've got so many things irons in the fire and stuff and you're a family man and you know i think you got a full-time gig too in advertising right yeah i'm a motion designer animator for an ad agency so yeah i'm doing that all the time as well yeah. so is that how you ended up in the er a few weeks ago that you just worked yourself to the bone you know what like- happened in the er I, I had a weird thing man i had a twitch in my face and i was like a few years ago maybe about six years ago i had a bell palsy you know when which is a viral thing that happens to your nerves. And you've probably seen people with it. People out there probably definitely heard of it. And I had heard of it. I had a student who had it before and I panicked immediately. I thought it was a stroke. And so my wife took me to the hospital that time. And then the doctor was like, you just having a bell palsy, take this, take this. And I worked through it and it was all fine. I can move my face, all that stuff. It's fine. So I'm sitting in the studio here and the same thing happened again. And I was like, Oh, let me hit my wife, tell her what's going down. And like, she's faster than an ambulance before I even could even think she was out in front of my studio, like come out right now, boom, lock, got there. And they were like, it's not a bell palsy. It's not a stroke. They did all kind of heart tests and everything. What it was is I had raised potassium levels, which were really bad. I have a kidney issue. So the medication that I had been on for like high blood pressure, that had caused the potassium to go up. So it wasn't anything I was doing. And I was working with a doctor and the doctor was like, had told me months before, like, hey, man, you got high potassium levels. Let's get it down. So I had actually changed my diet and nothing had been working Um, and really watching it, you know. So there I was like, they weren't going to let me leave until they got stuff down. So they they, but and found out the real problem because all my numbers, everything else were great. But that one thing was was all bad. And that could have been on its way to a heart attack because that's what it can cause. So had I not paid attention to my body, had I just been a dude and been like, oh, don't trip, it's just a tingle, 
mind you, by the time I got to the hospital, it was already gone. So I could have told my wife, don't trip. I'm fine. We tripping. But I'm an old man, so I know better. <laughs> so I, was I like, got you beat, you know baby. I got you beat. I was like, you're, you're, I, I, we're at the hospital. We, I'm going in the hospital. You might as well check everything. Check the oil. Check the fluids. You know. Totally. <laughs> check the wipers. Let's get it all done. Head to toe. Is that the first time you've ever had to call 911 and get yourself over to the ER? No, no, it wasn't 911. So I just called my wife, and so she did it. She was fast. Oh, okay. She took yeah, you yeah, over. Yeah. She okay, showed got up. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So I didn't call 911 or anything like that. And, okay. You know, if there's an emergency, I call my wife. Right. <laughs> smart man, smart man. Because, you know, in the healthcare biz, like if you have a, like, a, like a, a, a near mortal kind of event or, or, you know, heart attack or whatever, in the business, they call that a life event. Well, this one ended up not being a life event. Yeah, good. We just need to get this down and we're not going to let you leave until right, we get it right. down. Luckily, you spotted it. So this is really early spotting. That's why I tell all the homies, man, like, pay attention, bro. And I had this conversation with uh, Man One, actually, right afterwards, because he was like, oh, I take a medication, too. And, and if you look at my Instagram or any of my social media, I don't post stuff about myself necessarily. It's all my work. I, I may put things about my, my wife and kids up there. But that's it. Like, none of my personal stuff is up there. My work is personal, so that's enough as far as I'm concerned. But I felt like it was a teachable moment. Like, how many dudes do you know? that feel some ache or some weird pain and just let it go. And then they, they're gone. You go, man, that dude didn't even pay attention. So I was like, you know what? I got a lot of homies out there that are probably in a similar situation and don't even know it. I had seen another friend of mine who was a cinematographer just in the hospital who's at the peak of health. And just like a few days earlier, had had a similar experience because of another problem. So I was just like, you know, man, I got to let folks know this shit. You got to pay attention. It doesn't get more real than that. It's funny because I mean, I'm remember I had a similar thing happen uh, a few years back. I was at home, I was working, doing my thing, and man, all of a sudden, I started like getting this like weird feeling in my in my right arm, mm. and I started feeling dizzy. And of course, I did the the next thing I did, which was the absolute worst thing you could do, which is I went on Google, <laughs> you know, and I started, <laughs> I started, like, you know, dying. searching. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> get straight to the uh, ER because you, you could be having yeah, a heart attack or stroke your, or whatever. Is your will intact? That's the first thing it says. So I called Uber because I was like, well, my wife, because my wife was like, she was MIA. I don't even know where she was. <laughs> and I didn't, didn't want to call 911, so I called Uber. I get over to Cedar Sinai over there and I check it. I'm like, Yeah, I'm having this thing, and da 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 da. And they're like, Okay, well, you know, have a seat. <laughs> you know, so like, I'm waiting. Yeah, I'm waiting. And then, you know, four hours and multiple tests later, and a $10,000 bill later, right? The doctor, they're not, you know, they find nothing, everything's fine. And then the doctor says to me, he says, well, have you done anything unusual lately? You know? And I said, well, actually, I guess the thing that I've done that's like most unusual lately is that like, you know, yesterday or two days ago, whatever it was, I went to a chiropractor for the first time uh, and he goes, well, there's your problem. <laughs> he goes, you can't feel your arm and your arm is tingling because the, the chiropractor adjusted you in this crazy way and you're just feeling like that, you know? Right, 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 right. So anyway, it was, it was hey, one man. of those things though, but it was scary, man. When you think you, when you think you might fucking die, it's scary. You're like, man, I didn't even finish game of Thrones and now I got to die. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'm still trying man, to work my keep... way through. 
I know, right? I know. Well, brother, I'm glad you're good, man. I'm glad, you know, it's like, you know, glad we're dads, right? We got to we got to stick around for for our kids. Although I think your kids are your kids are a bit older than mine, right? How old are your kids? They're 15 and 17, but yeah. They're still babies to me. Yeah, of course. In my mind's eye, you know, and when we have conversations, they're definitely, you know, teenagers. Being a dad is amazing. Having two daughters changed my life in ways like it's a whole nother show for you. Yeah, man, it's great. I love being a dad. I love being a husband. It's, it's cool. How was Father's Day? I mean, that was just two days ago. We're recording this two days after Father's Day. Father's Day is cool. I really don't, I don't really care about stuff like that. You know, I care about, they woke me up actually Saturday morning and gave me presents and stuff. And they had this whole thing planned at restaurants. And I was like, man, no, we're done. Well, no, we'll cook dinner. My wife and I will cook dinner. No big deal. For Mother's Day, I, I do try to go all out, but I like to be in the studio. I like to work on my stuff. And I also like to watch a lot of movies and stuff. So they just gave me space to watch my crazy movies that I wanted to watch that weekend. And no one said, what is this? This is weird. You know, <laughs> right. They just left me alone. That was the biggest. I think most dads said, just leave a brother alone. You know, let me do let me do my thing. So right. that was cool. Right. Plus, actually, they actually went out of town on on Father's Day. I drove to the airport. Oh, you else. drove who oh, you drove them to the airport. Yep. I was like, all right, bye. <laughs> <laughs> See uh where'd they go? Where'd they fly off to? I think they went down to Palm Springs, as a matter of fact, to chill. So Wow, know, people are traveling again and all that stuff. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah, 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 man. I'm so such a city boy, like going to deserts and things of that nature. If I'm not on a film crew or doing research for a project, I'd rather not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hear you, it. and I get it. You know, I mean, but but it's also even more like complicated right now. I mean, I had to fly back east the other day for some stuff and. It was the longest day I've had having to wear a mask, you know, because like I had to wear a mask in the Uber from Encino to LAX. And then I had to wear a mask, of course, all through LAX and then a five hour flight, you know, to the East Coast. And traveling is not a lot of fun right now. I'm sorry. No, no. It's not and, a lot you know, fun. we've had some video shoots over the during the pandemic toward the middle to the to now, probably six shoots. And some of them were grueling like 15 16 hour days where we had the masks on all day and you know we had covid compliance officers and spray downs and mask switch outs and anything anything you can imagine you know but we did it we made it through it but yeah i couldn't i'm not excited to be on the airplane that's for sure for me myself and i just was like you know what like like i like my house <laughs> i did why why that's, leave it that's how i'm like i like this studio you know yeah stuff. yeah so speaking of the studio, brother, like what is happening in the studio right now? What is the latest? I saw you you started, you've got like a YouTube thing happening now with the YouTube channel, which by the way, you need to post some more videos. What's popping in the studio? So what's happening right now with the studio and the YouTube channel is like, so once we are, now that we are sort of like through the haze of the pandemic and people can get together and do things, I am now bringing my crew back together to shoot more. Everything you've seen on Instagram, everything you've seen there, even on that video highlight clip I have, that's I made all that stuff 100% by myself. I shot it all. When you see multiple characters, when you see like multiple costumes, that's all me in this studio. I've been working on some longer format stuff, and it's getting longer <laughs> as I create stuff. And yeah. so we'll be posting that stuff. Right now, I just want to get at least a couple hundred people signed up so 
to placate my ego, I want to make sure that you can go to YouTube backslash Hoodland instead of YouTube backslash some weird number. Yeah, right. Won't allow I you to do you. it unless you have over a hundred. I know, uh, I know. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. You know, hey, that's the rules. And the the channel's only been up for for three weeks. We've been slowly getting the amount of numbers. Like, you know, it's a marketing thing, man. I think about every aspect. So it's not just you know like creating the channel, and it's not just making the content, but it's like. It's easier for me to say YouTube backslash Hoodland. It's also easier for me to make that a message, messageable thing. Working in advertising, I've learned a lot. I have to have a call to action that's not clunky and, and easy to, it has to be easy to digest. I mean, my name is DeGhetto Geppetto. And people hear that, they, unless they say Palmetto, <laughs> they tend not to forget that, you know, Hoodfoot, Hoodland, all this I'm stuff. I'm sure you've been called worse, though. But just, just to. <laughs> oh, man. If somebody calls me. Troy is worse. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> People call me Miles. I'm like, bro. Yeah. <laughs> no. My name is Roy. It's like, so it's three letters, bro. Like, there's not many names. How can you there. fuck that up? That so I won't fuck, fuck up. up. Yeah, yeah. People, I'm, people call me Ray, Troy, like all kind of weird stuff, but it's cool. It's cool. That's funny. That's funny. So just making more stuff. I've been like building tiny little sets and lighting little scenarios. I'm trying to do it's a you know it's a hybrid so it's the puppets but it's also the mascots it's also 2d animated characters there's a little bit of stop motion now i'm not on anybody's schedule also like i i'm going to create the stuff within my means while i'm doing it and have the luxury because of the pandemic to do things alone and make it happen that way the proof of concept i'm making now for the channel that'll continue on it's pretty cool and if somebody sees it and wants to get down and you know finance more stuff and we can bring in more people it's great i love that it's a voltron you know like keep keep adding parts and make it a bigger robot so what i love about it is just well a you know it's clearly a passion project with just so much love and blood sweat and tears right and you know all that but it's just so damn creative and funny and smart. Like, I mean, you have, you know, you're like a, you know, you're like a Swiss army knife. You know what I mean? Like a lot of artists, God bless them. You know, they're, they're switchblade, you know, they do one thing like really well, you know, you're a Swiss army knife, man. You got all, uh, all the tools right there. Tools is the key word, man. I've, and I've spent the last two decades or more, like just trying to tell better stories and get better tools and do what I can to learn more things. And, even out of school when I was a, a, a professor and a course director in college and I was constantly learning stuff. You know, I tried to stay around younger folks who know things that I don't know so that I can get that stuff in my tool belt, and this, you know, toolbox and pick out the right thing for the right execution of the idea. And it's kind of free flowing too. You know, I'm trying to create this stuff in a non corporate way. So like I board things differently and I use, the old school method of making gags, you know, especially for this format, this Instagram and TikTok and this sort of thing. It's like people don't want to see a whole crazy beginning, middle, end. They just want to see a thing that they can keep on because your thing is living with other things. So when people are viewing your work through, let's say, Instagram, they just saw somebody else's thing and they're going to see someone else's thing after yours as they scroll through. And if they give you the the honor of pausing on your thing to watch it, give them something that they can take away and then they're going to go away. And hopefully that sticks with them. But that dope thing they saw, maybe because of their aesthetic or their taste, 
it matches the other dope thing that they're with and it becomes a part of their whole vibe. So that's what we're trying to do. I always say we, it's all me. <laughs> <laughs> I do the same thing, man. I say we all the time. People are like, so what do you say? We, who do, who do you, who, who else are you talking about? Well, me. <laughs> yeah. And I do have a team of folks that I work with Yeah, and we haven't been able to work as close together, but there's business partners. And, you know, when you, when you met me at designer con, those, you know, those were, you met my father. So like, you know, my dad will come in and my brother will come in. My business partner will come in and put on the suit if I make them. You know, like, <laughs> I know you can't act and I know you stiff, but just stand here and do what I say <laughs> while I wear this other thing. And then I'll switch out and we'll go back and I'll comp them together and then we'll be cool. You know, so let's do that. I feel like we have to cue family affair right now, you know? Yeah, it's 100% a family affair. And you know what I get that from? Ray Harryhausen, of all places. I got a chance to meet Ray Harryhausen. Those of you who don't know out there, he was the king of stop motion animation, you know, Sinbad and all these cool movies you probably saw when you were a kid. If not, you got bad parents. But <laughs> And you're probably <laughs> you're in not, therapy. Yeah. yeah, probably in therapy. And I, I, I got to meet him in the early 2000s and hang out with him for uh, a weekend, actually, a, a, quite a long time. It was many times where it was just he and I or he, I, uh, the two of us and his wife, you know, so like I really got to grill him. And then, you know, one thing that stuck out one of the millions of things that stuck out is that you know he was the animator right for all those effects shots and all that stuff he did in all those movies also the producer of the best movies he made also put the art together to sell those movies but also his mother made costumes for him when he was doing some of the stuff made the costumes for the dolls his dad made the armatures for the dolls his wife helped his mother they built the sets together and that stuff was all happening in this fucking garage. So when you watch some of these movies, those little animations that happened in those movies were happening in that man's garage. Even Journey to the Center of the Earth, they fight a crab, I think. And that's a crab that they, they ate the meat out of. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a real <laughs> crab that they took the shell. You know what I'm saying? So like everybody was involved at their level and it became not just the most influential thing before Star Wars, but also like just some of the grandest work ever made, period. So like it doesn't take a giant studio to make hella shit. Of course you want you want to have that backing, but that comes with a lot of politics and a lot of chefs in the kitchen, you know. So if you want to create work that is at a level and at the same time make it personal, it's easier when you have the folks that love you around you. And it doesn't have to be family, by the way. It could be just, you can create a family. <laughs> right. And yeah, but it's like those constraints, right? I mean, it, you know, I, it feels like sometimes nothing's worse than a blank check for a creative or an artist because, you know, it has it, to you be end limitations. Up, you want the yeah. money. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? But the ingenuity, the innovation comes from that scarcity, you know? Right. I love problem solving. You know, on one of the cartoons, there's like a one and a half second shot of, my character, the nerdy boombox, and he, he's eating cereal while the other character's talking. But he is just a wooden sculpture. So I said, okay, how can I do this? So I said, okay, we're going to animate his arms. We're going to have cartoon arms. That's cool. How's he going to move the cartoon spoon? But he's going to have, I really wanted a real cereal bowl. So I was like, oh, you know what? Let's see how I can make a real cereal bowl move with, you know, and make the cereal really move. What kind of contraption can I set up here and put it all together? Even the cereal, I actually grabbed the cereal. I kept the cereal in a bag over here in case I ever need to use it. 
I use like seven <laughs> yeah. different cereals to get all blue cereal. I wanted every blue Lucky Charms, <laughs> Fruit Loop, every purple, every green. So I have like I bags of se- cereal separated into little color coordination because I said, he's only, this is going to be in a completely purple cereal, only purple. So <laughs> my kids are in the kitchen with me like, why are you doing this? I'm like, just get those crunch berries. Separate them. <laughs> I'm gonna find every green charm of this damn rainbow, uh, lucky charms. Just keep doing it, you know. So like, it was a fun thing to do. And literally on screen, even though it was like two days of like do- sourcing stuff and figuring it out and building plans for a pulley system with fishing line and all this stuff, it's just a second, like two seconds in the whole thing. But it brings it to life, and it's exactly what they would have did without any digital technology in the first place. You know, it's like. All right, we want a ghost. We're going to use a little invisible string, you know. So I end up, and I'm shooting that stuff by myself. So that was that's fun. But like I said, now I'm taking my time and not making. I'm making certain type of stuff for Instagram and different stuff for YouTube. And as I'm starting to explore TikTok, because my daughters are like big into that, I'll be making different content for that stuff as well. And I'm I'm starting to bring other cats in to help me do some stuff as well, like. Well, you know, the the kind of, yeah, I mean, the point you're getting at is this whole, you know, it's like the old saying, you know, horses for courses. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Instagram is its own kind of thing. You got to you got to optimize for that culture, for that, you know, experience and TikTok and Twitter or YouTube or whatever. Like you've got to create the product that really works in that environment. Right. And also uh, pride myself on like, delivering stuff for my audience, the people that graciously started following me. And I talk to a ton of people every day because people always want to know stuff about the characters. And uh, there's people that have conversations with Hoodfoot through his, <laughs> his Instagram. They're not talking to me. They're talking to him. I appreciate that. I appreciate that level. And I get so many people reaching out, but also like, I'm constantly like, this is a bot deleting you know, delete checking on the people that are following me and seeing like, so my numbers are low because I, they could be much higher. I've, I've definitely like erased maybe 1200 followers that I felt like these people aren't even real people. Like something's going on here. Maybe because I put crypto zoo in a thing. And so like a bunch of <laughs> fake crypto Bitcoin people will be following me and just, or stuff like that. And I'm just like, I'd rather have engaged audience than super high numbers. Totally, man. Quality over yeah. quantity, you quality know, over quantity. that's it, yeah. you know, and you do want that. You want that you want people that want to be there. Really. They want to engage and they, they yeah. love what you're doing. And, you know, it helps on every side when you're selling merchandise and you're selling your art. Why try to talk to a bunch of people that aren't engaged in the first place? Right. You want to go straight to those people that are down, you know, that are waiting for that shit. You mentioned crypto just a second ago. Like, obviously, there's so much to catch up on. I mean, shit, we could go, we could talk about the pandemic, we could talk about, you know, politics, we talk about all kinds of stuff. But let's talk crypto. This whole NFT thing has been a hot topic in recent weeks and months. What say you on this hot topic of the NFT? You know, it got hot really quick, right? All of a sudden, that's all everybody was talking about. Actually, quite quite a while ago, someone had come to me and was like, you should do this with your characters. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then maybe six months later, it was like super popping. I studied it sort of early on. And what I saw was like, as these bigger things were happening, as soon as cats start selling like millions of dollars worth of stuff, 
every artist I know like started running up that hill. And I don't do that, bro. Like, like I said before, I'm not on anybody's schedule. If NFTs are going to work and be here for the long run, which I believe they will, it doesn't matter when you get involved in it, right? It's like art itself. Like, doesn't matter when you get involved in trying to become a professional artist. It doesn't matter. What matters is the work, always the work. So like I see NFTs being sold, but they look like garbage and they're weird and they're weird for weird sake, not for art's sake. You know, some of the artists involved are super dope, but for the most part, they all just look like the same shit to me. When I do it, I will do it integrated with other things and it'll be at the level of what I've done already. I've got some ideas. I've talked to some people. Also, there's that blockchain thing with the environment and uh, transactions that can destroy the planet Earth. I think it would be ironic that art is here to save us all. And if that's the thing that because artists are finally going to get fucking paid for every transaction that happens with their art, all of a sudden they destroy the Earth. That's weird, too. So there's a philosophical level there that I don't think the technology is there yet. I think there is people are saying that there are some new networks popping up and there's some ecologically friendly things that are happening and you know let that shit happen and then i'll jump i'll jump in and now i'm not saying like some body partners is a good idea and a good deal for me to do it i'll definitely consider it but right now i'm doing this this is a lot i'm doing the you know i'm doing a lot of stuff when i did the toys i didn't do the toys because it was everybody's doing toys right now i did it because nobody was doing it when I'm doing these puppets and mascots, I didn't do this shit because everybody's doing it. I did it because nobody was doing it. The next thing I do, which I'm not going to say here what it is, you know. I oh, come on, man. Break loud. the news here right now. Come on. Not at all. Nobody's <laughs> doing that either. And I'm not doing it for doing that sake, but it's just my ideas come. And I, I sometimes don't have a, an example ahead of me of someone else doing it. And I, it doesn't scare me. It intrigues me. It makes me get excited, you know. Especially, you know, being a black man in this art space is like, you know, art space, film space, television space, animation space, earth space. It's, it's always a rougher road. So I tend to like do the stuff that is like you might as well do what you want to do and do it how you want to do it because there's already roadblocks. So fuck it. Make what you're going to make. But as far as NFTs and stuff, yeah, that's cool. I love it. I hope everybody gets rich, rich artists. I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> well, what struck me about it was that, you know, it, it, it shined a light on yet again, right? The hunger that mm-hmm. artists have to get paid, you know, to like, like, no, no, it's yeah. Sad. And it was like, wait a minute, you know, like everybody where they thought it was a silver bullet and there's a lot of cool things about NFTs, the smart contract being one in terms of making commissions or royalties into perpetuity on secondary sales. Like, I think that's amazing, right? For me, it'll be interesting to see, you know, to what extent that maybe pressures, shall we say, the physical art world and the traditional galleries to start figuring out in the auction houses and what have you to figure out how artists get paid on these secondary sales and stuff. I would love that more. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Way more because you know what? Also NFTs are exclusionary, right? How many artists do you know don't, that don't use computers that aren't on social media that deal with the gallery system, the museum system, higher learning. They lease their artwork to corporate corporations that 
you know, I've met many artists that I didn't even know you could do art like that until I met these folks. And you see, they have, they taught me how to catalog my work and how to, you know, keep tabs on your work. And those people make money off their work already. So like, what does that do to those folks? Or the folks that, like I said, just don't use digital. Not everybody's digital. Not everybody can make something that everybody's want to put value on, on in a digital marketplace, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, again, it's like, it was very interesting how it very quickly, the NFT market very quickly reflected the traditional market because suddenly, you know, it was a, it was a digital marketplace. So suddenly it already favored digital artists right from the get go. And then right. of course, if you didn't, if you, if, if you didn't have the hookup with the right marketplace, whether it was nifty gateway or whatever it was, if you didn't get invited in, you weren't in. And if you did, it also favored artists within celebrities with a big following. So it was already set up as this like exclusion. It was not egalitarian. It's always like if there's gatekeepers, I'm always weary. This is a brand new thing. And all of a sudden there's already branded folks that are like looked at as the leaders in the market. I'm like, how is that possible? <laughs> right, How are right. you the leader of some new shit? shit just, <laughs> just started. How are yeah. you guys the leading people? You know, like, shouldn't there, like, and if it's for artists, shouldn't artists be the folks setting the rules and the hierarchy of the shit? And why does it have to be the most popular artist? You know, and popular to who? And popular where? You know, like, if that was the case, why isn't fucking Cause in charge? And should Cause do that? Why should he do that? They make 90-foot statues of his shit. He's in the fucking Macy's parade. Maybe artists like that need to chill and let artists that don't do anything. Maybe this is not for y'all. Maybe it's not for the dudes that are already hyper successful and selling millions of dollars of shit already. Maybe. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's super fascinating. Listen, I mean, you know, like I hope, right. For artists sake that the shit gets leveled out and regulated on a certain level and, and more democratized because the, the smart contract aspect of it is awesome. The blockchain decentralized nature of, of that is is awesome just because it's, you know, seemingly more secure or whatever. But there are, you know, real issues, whether it's the carbon energy footprint of it all or or whether it's the fact that, you know, whether it's display, like how do you display these things if you know, once you own them? But my issue from the get-go was like, this isn't the silver bullet that you guys think it is because the fundamental issue isn't the technology or even the smart contract. The issue is demand or lack of demand. There's plenty of art in the world for people to buy. The problem is there's not enough people buying art. So, right. you know, how do you grow demand? How do we stoke demand? And how do you change the perception of value to what we do? Not just the creation, but our time and our talent. To quantify that stuff is difficult. There's another side of this, you know, we can talk about this is I'm an artist that is for hire occasionally because people have reached out to me to like make, hey, can you make this for us? I'm constantly battling people on how much I believe I should be paid versus what they are wanting to pay. And I've had corporations like big old companies ask me to make stuff for them, like network IDs and stuff like that. One company asked me to do that for their streaming service. Can you make some bumpers and some uh, little spots with your characters? My intellectual party property, stuff I put all my time and money into. It. 
they offered me $250 for a 30-second spot. Actually, three 10-second spots. And I'm like, you're aware that I work in advertising? I'm a filmmaker? Are you aware that, you know, I, I was just like, oh, okay. Well, let me tell you how much a commercial costs for that type of network. Just, just so you'll know. It's insulting as hell. And that's the stuff I'm, I'd rather work on than NFTs. Is like, I designed this stuff to be likable and marketable, this particular project. So merchandise and things of, of that nature are built into the model of what I'm doing right now. So when someone comes with an offer and it's just insulting, you think about, well, if they came to you like this, who did they come to that may not be as savvy, that may not know better? Who did they get this stuff from? You know, like I'm aware how much it even costs to have a meeting with somebody at a corporation, right? All those people are salaried. Like there's a quantifiable budget for the time you spend at those meetings. So like, more than $250 was spent just to ask me to do it for $250. <laughs> right? And it wasn't spent on me. <laughs> so, yeah, man, that's the type of stuff, you know, you deal with as an artist that really, like, independence really, it's a double-edged sword, you know? It's scary, scary world out there. It's tough, you know, and it's always been tough as an artist and in the arts, but it's also... You know, if you look at the economy even more broadly, just the the whole gig economy thing. Like, I mean, good luck fucking finding a full time you know full time job that pays you a decent wage and gives you health benefits. I mean, you know that used to be common, fairly common, and now it's the exception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's also like, what does that work do for you? I think the pandemic showed a lot of people that maybe that isn't what you want to do with your life maybe having to sit in the same space for a year and deal with your family in a different level and deal with your friends and extended family in a different level and not being able to access some of those people, that becomes way more important than all the time you spent at the office and all the time you, you spent working on some shit you don't even care about. Here's what I believe. Cause I mean, even for those of us like you and me who have been lucky enough, really and blessed mm -hmm. enough to, enjoy the work that we do. Like, you know, as creatives, as people, right. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to guess that you and I are very similar in that for the most part, our careers, like we've, we've really enjoyed our work, right. Generally yeah, we speaking, right. Stuff, right. We, yeah. And you know, but even us, I know I'm convinced that the last thing that either one of us are going to want, you know, on our deathbed, as we are like pondering our life is like, you know, more time to work. You know what I mean? It's like, no, you know, when you're laying there thinking about your life, you're going to, you're going to wish you'd spent more time with your kids and your family and your this right, and your right, that, right. you know, the last thing you want, you're going to want to, you, you know, think about is a fucking meeting that you wish you had. Yeah. If I had more time, I could just take more zoom calls. <laughs> but I think, I think that's like the part of the, the value, at least, you know, I mean, obviously the pandemic hit everybody, differently and it was all very personal and whatever. But I mean, for many people, hopefully it was an opportunity to reevaluate and say, no, 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 you know what? This is more important. You know, my family's mm -hmm. more important. My, you know, my, with my wife and I, for example, we ended up having dinner, you know, with the kids every night. How cool is for that? For a fucking year. It was amazing. We put the kids down to bed every night. It was amazing. It's amazing, right? Yeah. And it's like, now I got to go back to work. I got to go, like, I got to give that up. Right. Like, you oh, don't want man. To. No. And for me, 
we've been taking a lot of meetings about that sort of stuff and like really like well we see our studio can run from our homes so we have meetings actually we've done more work now than we have the previous years it's a different kind of work i mean we don't have to be there every day and everybody's sort of agreeing like yeah fuck that you don't have to be there every day two days especially i go into san francisco from oakland yeah <laughs> That's gross. I was already grossed out before the disease that, you know, started spreading. <laughs> I was already, there was a bunch of diseases I was already freaked out by. So, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Creepy. See, these are crazy times, man. Those are crazy times, you know. Were you able to stay healthy? I mean, you didn't, you didn't get COVID or anything, right? Do you know anybody Not that got all. it? I do know some folks that had it. I know some older uh, folks that are like friends of friends, like their grandparents. I know folks that passed away from it. But also, you know, our circle was pretty tight. I didn't get it. Now, I do believe that my wife and daughters had it before the announcement, like maybe in February-ish, where they got so sick. And people in my team got super sick after traveling for a shoot. I didn't get sick at all. Never felt sick, never had a whole thing. But they got terribly sick, way worse than a normal flu, way longer than a normal flu. And it really kicked their asses. But then they all came through it. But now they're, they still, we all got vaccinated, by the way. My wife works for Kaiser. So she was able to get vaccinated pretty early because she works with physicians. So it's just like, yeah, I've seen some pretty bad stuff. But yeah, we got, we got lucky, I guess, that we didn't catch anything. And, you know, but we're pretty cautious. I remember right when the lockdown happened and we were all in the car and got out of the car and I hear someone coughing in the night. <laughs> you know, we, we live in a neighborhood where motherfuckers walk around, you know, people yeah, be yeah. anywhere walking around there. And I looked at the kids, they looked at me and they were like, I was like, Lily, take the keys. She's the fastest. She hit the door. And they were like, it was like a horror movie. The cough was getting closer. We were like, look, open the door. <laughs> it's coming for us. It's, it's coming. coming. Just as we all got in, I looked out the window. It's just some, yeah, some hacky dude. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, bro, this is scary as hell. <laughs> he might have just had emphysema. <laughs> I mean, we didn't know what it was. I mean, in the early days, like it could have been. Any, and listen, I that was March. Of, you know, so I was just like, holy shit. We ease back. But every, and we've all had this experience. Like, you'll be out somewhere at a grocery store, store or something, and all of a sudden, be like, someone would be like, <laughs> and you're like, take a step <laughs> yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. You start counting. That, that's more than, that's not six. I'm going to do 16 feet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, I'm going back in my car. I don't, Matter of fact, let me just back up out of here because. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we, we don't have cereal for dinner, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. It's it's crazy. I mean, we knew a few people, you know, that had it. I know some people that had family that actually passed away from it, you know, which, you know, super sad. So, you know, but that being said, I mean, because obviously the tragedy for some people was all too real. But, you know, a little bit of history about these pandemics and what have you. It's like, you know, I'm just grateful it wasn't any worse because, I mean, shit, it could have been tens of millions dead. 30, 40, 50, 100 million dead. Yeah, it could be way more. So we have that to look forward to. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, in those times where it did happen on that level, 
there's never been a world with this sort of communication network here, right? So like we can spread the message of danger within a minute, the world yeah. will know. So I think that's a big part of it. And I think the fact that the, the, the countries are able to come to a consensus as far as locking their own borders and all that sort of stuff and restricting travel and it could have been worse. And then you see in some places it is worse because they kind of had a laissez-faire attitude or maybe didn't have the infrastructure. A million reasons. I don't, we don't even have to go into all that. Let's not talk about the pandemic anymore. I was going to segue right there because I was going to, you know, because earlier we were talking about uh, constraints, you know, and obviously the the pandemic whatnot was a huge constraint on artists. And, you know, you talked about, you know, the fact that you, you know, you had to a shift and pivot how you work because you couldn't get the crew together to do what you might have done. Talk a little bit about that. Like, how did you pivot? How did you adjust creatively? Creatively, I just, you know, the first month, well, it was a letdown for sure. You know, part of it, like I was coming to see you, as a matter of fact, you know, like your the conference was coming. I had some, I'm not even telling you what I had planned because it was going to be special ah. and different and, and new. And I was like, he has no idea what I'm about to do. This is so fucking great. I was so excited to do that. So that was a letdown. And then I was also going to be filming what would have been like, I keep saying it's a pilot, but it's really a proof of concept. It's not a, like a seven, 15 minute thing. It's just going to be a few minutes. You know, I was putting money into that. And then, you know, I had some other fun stuff planned to do with other people's podcasts and stuff like that. And all that stuff sort of went out the window. And after that month or so, I just said, well, I got these puppets here. Maybe one of these puppets can tell people to wear a mask. So that was probably one of the first videos I did, like just sitting here like, okay. And I was like, oh, I could probably, well, the hardware store still open. I can give a little backdrop. I'll do this. And I started building stuff and making more puppets. And, you know, I work with the, my newer puppets. I commissioned those with another a puppet artist. So I can take that out of my lap, which is way more expensive, but way better. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, as far as like allocation of time and, you know, oh, totally, like totally. You'd do. love doing it, but man, you'd not get anything else done for a minute. You know? Two of the puppets I made took, I didn't do that before. So that shit took like a year and a half. Now I have, I work with someone that can do it fairly quickly because they're a professional. Not, you know, as a filmmaker, you learn that people, your job as a director and producer is to fill those roles with the best possible person. So I've been blessed to have those sort of people get involved recently. So, I just commissioned another puppet and just said, fuck it, man. I'm just going to start making little stuff and see what I can do. One thing that came out of it is a lot of those videos you see on there, you see me in the videos sometimes because I became a character in it myself, you know, just because of necessity. I'm like, okay, well, they got to talk to somebody. If I'm going to tell the story, okay, I'll be involved. And it progressed. And it sort of, it was, it, I just workshop every day. You know, I get to, even if I spend just an hour or so on it, or if it sometimes I get to spend all night on it, some all weekend on it, you know, so, and during the day here and there, if I'm not doing this, I'll go do that. So I try not to ever have too much downtime while working on stuff. And I'm able to make a, a few things happen at a time, you know? And like I said, some of the stuff is like, I'll be outside and I see a thing happening, I'll film it. And I'll keep it in the archive like, oh, it would be cool if this happened. Okay. And I you know, either have them react to it or put them on a green screen or blue screen and got a better camera, you know, just things that happen, you know, and 
I never like people like look for inspiration and stuff like that. I never do that. I never have to. You know, it's the opposite. I think of something new every day. It's annoying as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like in the shower, I kind of a kind of a curse. Yeah. Wife, like, hey man, you know it would be cool. I think I want it. She's like, don't. You better shut up. <laughs> So yeah, I, man, you know, yeah. it's funny because I, I, you know, I turned 51 this year and what part of what I'm grappling with just as I get older, you know, maybe I got, hopefully I got 20, 30 years, healthy years left. Who knows? I just have to come to grips with the fact that there will be tons of shit that I don't get done that I want to do. You, you know done. what I mean? Like, right. it's just, that's just, you just kind of got to be like, yeah, well, I got more ideas than time, you know, and money. Right. <laughs> right. And the money is the real thing. Time is, you know quantifiably worth more right but also like yeah that time i I was telling someone else the other day it's like that all my time doesn't belong to me you know like a big chunk of my time belongs to my family and then i rent out some of my time to my profession so like my actual time is is limited for sure so i tend to always be putting something towards what i'm doing in that time and you know just for the folks out there man if you are doing a thumbnail sketch for your thing or writing down a sentence of dialogue, you've done something. You don't have to do this whole, I'm going to bust out 3,000 pages, 3,000 words, or I'm going to do If that's cool for you, do it. But let the challenge be just that you did something. You know, And we know as artists, we artists, we're always doing something because we're always thinking about the thing. Because like we said before, it's always problem solving right like with either it's like how i'm going to paint this nose or what kind of paint or what color paint or what kind of paint and how many layers of paint before i do this and is this paint dry you know like every part (laughs) oh no it's not (laughs) like oh shit i fucked up all this stuff is is going towards it so even the mental part of it where you're like workshopping the idea inside your head Throwing something together in After Effects doesn't take me a long time, but to get all the assets to make it, that takes a while sometimes, you know? I've laughed many times. I was like, man, this took me two weeks to get all this material, and it took me an hour and a half to put it together. And another hour, then <laughs> it's, it's on the right. internet. You know, like, it took, like, that was a long time, and people are like, oh, this is great. I'm like, yeah, see you in another two weeks. <laughs> and some things I'm always, I'm challenging myself now, like, to do something that only takes two hours versus always be working on the bigger thing that's more of a production style thing you know? yeah so you know music plays a big role in you know what you do as well like are you a dj as well like where like who do you collaborate with in terms of when you think about music so a friend of mine ian davis he goes by id i met him through the music industry at the time he when i met him he was a and r at the hieroglyphics record label hiero imperium and I was making a movie for them, a road movie. And so we were planning this big tour, and I met this guy. I was like, this guy's cool, man. He knows a lot of stuff. He likes the stuff I like. I know everybody in Hieroglyphics already, so this is like something new. He knows a ton of people in the music industry. We started collecting beats. You know, he knows a lot of producers he's worked with for Cats albums. And I know a lot of artists as well. And so between us, you know, when I was younger, in the 90s and early 90s and stuff, we were a DJ crew and all that type of stuff. But I would never call myself a DJ. So we worked with a producer. There's a producer, J-Zone, Cash Martin, my man Derek Reams, who goes by Montero. I've known him for decades. 
ID himself has provided some beats. I mean, we got beats from so many cats. There's some music that was also made exclusively for that. Did I give you one of the CDs when I met you? Like with all those? I things? did. Yeah, no, I have it. I just, you are with me, like f- like five feet away, four feet away at all times. So yes, I, I yeah, I'm hooked up. I appreciate that, man, so much. Like that's incredible to me, man. I appreciate you, man. I mean, this this is fucking this is awesome. This is so much love in here, man. We are making some new toys. There are more toys coming for sure. Not just Hoodland stuff, but like some other Ghetto Geppetto products that are like, uh, you know, my original toy, the Biddies, and some other stuff like that. We're we're looking at that stuff again. But your boy, getting back to the music, like he, so you work with him pretty much, like he's your guy. Yeah, he's like uh, my my partner in crime. With yeah. you know, we work together not just on this, but on, on pretty much everything we make. And you know, I like having a I sort of have a council of, of homies that yeah, depending on what their skill level is and and what they do, you know, I send out work to those cats all the time. Like I'll say, check this out. Some of it's just like just to hear what other people think without having to expose it to the universe yet. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, people I've known for 30 plus years. And then there's cats that in the 21st century I've met and I consider their opinion like very valuable. So Mm -hmm. I'll send stuff to them as well. Folks come and I met somebody the other day that said they wanted to give me a beat and I listened to the beats and one of them was incredible. So I used it. You know, I didn't have no money. They didn't have, they didn't want no money. And, you know, I'm not, (laughs) there's no money. But, you know, here's the thing, man. There's always a jump off when there is money, there is a budget. And then I just go back to those same people and make sure they get paid. You know, I've worked with McDonald's and Def Jam, you know, with my previous toys. And we've done some pretty big sort of licensing stuff with those characters. Mm So I always bring my folks back in to work on the stuff, you know, like, oh, there's a check. So come, y'all come, y'all come quick, y'all come quick. (laughs) Right, right. Well, because I mean, you know, you, you, you want to work with the right people, whether there's money or not. And take you know, care of those people that took care of that's you. Right. That's right. Well, that's right. Exactly. Which we yeah. know, you and I know, that's not always the case, right? Folks will leave their folks in the dust to move to the next level. And it says a lot yeah. about those folks because it says like, who were you surrounding yourself with previous? Why aren't they good yep. enough to move forward with you? Why were you hanging out with them in the first place? So some relationships become transactional or based on like what they think they can get from you down the road. And then other stuff is just yeah. pure love. They love what you're doing. You love them. They get involved. Yep. And hopefully the work is the benefit, right? Like completing the work and the project, if you love it and you and you did everything you could to make it pop, that's it. So anything else is a reward that's outside of that. Like p- people buying it, people listening to it, people collecting it. That's the cherry, right? But the real thing is making the fucking thing. I feel so accomplished when I make something. Like, I feel great. And I feel like, shit, let's do it. Let's make something else again. Let's make something else. Yep. But with the music, I love music. I've been involved with music, you know, since since I was a kid, you know, basically. So it's an integral part. But it's also like, uh, you know, you, you probably see one clip with the characters rapping. But it's not really about rapping. <laughs> You know, like yeah, right, right, right. it's really about like hood life, you know, and how I grew yeah. up and what my surroundings are then and now. And there's lessons there. That I always have like a little lesson, even if you don't get it. It's cool. 
because it's also <laughs> cute and funny, you know? So right, right. people can approach, I think the best artwork is when people can approach it at their level. And if they get something out that they weren't expecting, then they've leveled up. And so now they know when next time they come and look at your work, they can look harder at it. My work looks like candy. It looks edible. I want to eat it. You want to eat it, right? <laughs> exactly. You want to, yeah. it's very appetizing. You want those characters on your lunchbox. You want all that shit. You want to, you know, but also like, what are they talking about? What are they saying? And if you're from, a lot of folks aren't from like where I'm from, the kind of environment I grew up in. So it's like, you know, it's a love letter to that, but it's also like letting you peep game. Like, yo, this is where, this is how folks act. And maybe you see things that happen, but it's not necessarily what you think is happening. Right. And I've traveled right. around the world and I've been, you know, I've always had, you know, I always say I'm from Oakland and I'm always repping Oakland and the perceived notion of it out in the world sort of sometimes is scary to me. So like, I get upset. So I like, I kind of let it be known that it's, it's, it's a cool place. It's also, you know, it's America. So yeah, this is fucked up shit happening here. But, uh, right. It's a beautiful place. You you were here, so you know what's popping. But I love O-Town. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's the best. It's awesome. I used to be up there a couple times a week. Yeah. Yeah, so like you were you were in the music scene too. Like were you in the DJing scene yourself or what were No, what, you you mean in terms of what brought me to Oakland or yeah, just yeah, the like music Oakland, in general? In general, like when you were younger. Yeah, yeah. No, I came up playing music. Uh, my my family, I mean, that was our thing. I mean, the you know, very musical family, uh, singing. A lot of uh, my mom's a singer. My my sister's a pro- actually professional gospel singer. And so we grew up with the music lessons and all that. I took to alto saxophone and studied jazz and classical music at a pretty high level. Yeah, it was cool. It was great. But I mean, it was interesting because, yeah, man, I mean, looking back, I guess, you know, I fucked up because, I mean, I kind of got burnt out. And I sort of hung up, I hung up the, the horn with about 20. And because for, for whatever reason, like back, back in the Midwest where I'm from, you know, cause I was born in Gary, Indiana, and I grew up outside Chicago. But at that time, you know, it was kind of like, well, you were either good enough to like perform, like go, like you were going to perform or you were going to be a teacher. <laughs> like that seemed to be the only two options, you know? And, and that's so fucked up because like I could have been, gigging around town just for fun, but nobody like, like that wasn't even an option. So music and, you know, my, many of my friends were, well, several of my friends are professional musicians and performers now still after all these years. And so, yeah, so, you know, and I produced, you know, some stuff, whatever. That's amazing. Right. I have friends that have, I've known since high school that are still professional musicians. That's what they do. You know, and I'm like, man, you've been doing this shit since you were 16. Like, I'm not talking about folks that live in these crazy mansions or no shit like that, or people like you go, oh, yeah, I know exactly who that is. It's just like folks that have been singing and gigging and working, gigging musicians. Sometimes they teach music, you know, to yeah, you know, right, private lessons right, and yeah. they do corporate yeah, yeah. gigs and yeah. but they keep it. They keep doing it, you know, and that's where I spend so much of my time trying to learn the skills I learned so that no matter what I'm doing, I'm using those skills. You know, so like, oh, yeah, I'll work on your commercial because these are the same exact same tools I'm using to work on my stuff. I love that. I love that. That's how I eat. You know what I'm saying? I love that's how I get my clothes. <laughs> it's a rare and wonderful thing. And music was early for me as well. I got lucky because a teacher was like, you can sing. 
you should do this. So I you went know, to high school. I was in every choir. You know, I got to go to Japan yeah. with the Oakland Youth Chorus. You know, I performed in every operetta, every musical. <laughs> that was a good time for me. But it sh- it also showed me like, yo, the world is really big. Yeah. You can go out and see it. You know, for the most part, the only thing that's going to stop you is money. And so go get that and go do that. You know. Well, in mindset, you, you know, like, you know, it's funny because, I mean, I grew up 40 miles outside Chicago. It's a it's an hour train ride uh, along Lake Michigan shore from where I grew up right into downtown. And I know people that I grew up with that never been to Chicago. Shit, Are I know people kidding here me? in Oakland that haven't been to San Francisco. That's what I'm saying. And when, you, when I was younger, when I was saying, I'm going to San Francisco, they'd be like, are you crazy? Are you going to cross that bridge? I'm like, actually, I'm going to get in the on the train. You're going to go under the water? I'm like, man, it's literally, I can see it from my house, bro. Like, what are you talking about? You just, okay, you just stay on the block and I'm going to, I'm going to go under the water. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. I had a job in uh, right out of high school, probably when I was like 19, 20. And I got a supervisory position. And it was like a place that was like a a temp agency, basically. But I did so well that I all I worked every day. And it was through the convention industry. So, like, mm-hmm. if there was a convention in town at the Moscone Center or any of those other places in San Francisco hotels, and it's a, it's a big industry. So there was always a, a show to work at every, every day. There was never, like, a in-between time. I brought mm-hmm. in maybe 20, 20 cats all together to do like the most menial stuff but like i was like you do this bro you won't have to do that you know that other thing and i know for a fact dudes got to do things and see things and know about things that they didn't know about dental conventions and that you know like they didn't know about surgical conventions especially like there's apple there was apple world you know and all these oh yeah like the tech conferences conferences and stuff you know i had the homies up in there and they were like, man, you see this computer that can do it? And I know in all these cats now, the cats that are still around, like, they do that stuff now. Yeah. They know all about all those computers. They they work in the computer industry or they do other other things. Right. And it's because we were like, fuck it, man, let's just go over there. So, like, leaving the city just to go to the next city changed yeah. those cats' lives, you know. So the folks that do stay on the block, man, it's awful. As a matter that's what... Hoodfoot is a dude that has never left the block. <laughs> Their world is just those few blocks that they inhabit. And that's it. That's a good segue into something that uh, I, I did want to talk to you about. In all candor, I've been wanting to collaborate with you for a long time, which is why you know I wanted to get you at the conference last year. And of course, that didn't work out. But you know, one of the things I was thinking about, like if you know, Hoodfoot came to life in the context of a podcast, (laughs) right? Like, what would that look like? You know, like, what would that be? You know, so that was one thing I wanted to talk to you about. The other thing I wanted to tell you is that I'm at this place now with the podcast that, because I love doing this, it's so much fun. But quite frankly, I want to find other people that, that are good on the mic too, that could also be hosts on the podcast. And so I don't know if you have any interest in being a host of a podcast, but I, if you do, I would love to talk to you about taking the mic over from time to time, making it the Roy Miles show. Um, so there, so there are two things, two things that I want to talk to you about. Okay. Well, 
though all every we're always open. We're we're open for business. That's for sure. What would the uh, Hoodfoot podcast be like? It would be weird. That's for sure. So there's that. I won't say too much about that. But yeah, we can talk offline about that for sure. Um, let's do that. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of podcasts recently. Probably I mean shit, man. Last week I probably did five different shows. There's nothing I like more than talking. <laughs> you're good at it so, so well listen i like to share the love with the, my fellow podcasters so shout out to those podcasts that you were on because we want to make sure people know about it yeah yeah and you know if you the best thing to do man is just follow me on instagram i'm always posting stuff there as a matter of fact when i get off with you yeah. i'm gonna post a new video so there you go that i nice that I made All right, cool. last night <laughs> Which will you? If by the time people hear this, they would have already saw it, and it's already there. But yeah, but yeah, and I got—I'm just doing. It's fun right now, man. I'm just having as much fun as I can with this. Yeah, I got some new stuff going. Got some great music. I got some new music partners, and not just music. Like so, I brought in some folks, not as just musicians that are known as musicians, but I just like the way they talk, honestly. So, Merce uh, is, is is now on board. He's a good friend of mine. Dell has been involved. Dell, the Funky Elvis Sapien, has been involved for a while. Now that the pandemic's subsided for a moment, we'll be yeah. getting back into the studio and doing some other stuff. So I have some other beautiful things happening that'll be funny and stupid at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite combination. Yeah, yeah. S- yeah. Stupid funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's it, man. And just, you know, other than that, I've just been living life and, you know, watching cartoons and watching movies and horror movies, doing all the other stuff I like to do and collecting toys, make it happen. Rapping is, is my motto, which I don't rap. I love it. <laughs> well, I tell you what, you've made me a happy man uh, today, taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, sit down and chop it up. It's an honor to have you on long overdue. You know, it's just, I'm just grateful that you're, that uh, you and the family are healthy and happy after what has been a crazy year, year and a half. Well, let's keep talking. Let's figure some of this stuff out because I think we need to explore some of these avenues. For sure. For sure. For sure. And there's a wide world of possibilities for, for us and everyone out there listening. Uh, indeed. Indeed. So before we sign off, tell everybody where they can find you. Go to Instagram. Type in the words Ghetto Geppetto. G-H-E-T-T-O-G-E-P-P-E-T-T-O. And then you'll see my smiling face, sort of. And then go ahead and follow me. And then from there, you can also find in my bio, there's a link to my YouTube channel where we'll be posting more stuff soon. And gradually, as the things ease up here, we'll be producing at a faster, higher, more frequent level. And there you go. You can always send me a text. You're here to hear people uh, right here. Yeah, DM if you have something weird to say. I'll listen. <laughs> yeah you're quick on the dms man i gotta say you you got like you're like the fastest dm in the west or something oh yeah man you know i figured if you're gonna take the a time to send me a message i'll take that three seconds this is something we know bro in 2021 if you text somebody they fucking saw that text this is not 1987 when you call somebody <laughs> i wonder if they got my call and you see them hey man <laughs> did you get my no, I, mean, I didn't get it. And it's, that was believable. Like they did. Right. Uh, it's, yeah, because of technology, it's possible you didn't get my call. 2021, you on too much shit, bro. 
I see a motherfucker on Facebook. <laughs> then I see him on Instagram. Then I see him, you know what I mean? They talking back and forth. You send them a message, it's crickets. I'm like, did this motherfucker just ghost me? <laughs> I see you posting right now. I'm on, you are putting a response, a reply on a Facebook video on Facebook. I'm also replying on. I see you talking. For the most part, I will hit you back. Unless, you know, people have been hitting me recently with some requests. And, you know, just because of my artist nature, I try not to respond to requests without really taking a breath first. And really, like, <laughs> either some of them are ridiculous or some of them are just like, okay, listen, person. Yes, I do cartoons, if that's the question you just asked. <laughs> do I do cartoons? Yes, I do do cartoons. Thank you for asking. <laughs> and do you have a budget? <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> I do this make is, cartoons. This is do you exposure only, is it? Yeah, like I'm done with all that. I'm going to turn 50 in August. So like we're like birthday brother, we, you are like right here, bro. We we know all the same shit, all the same references, all the same movies, all the same albums. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, I, I got a couple of, I got a couple of boys that two divorces later, you know, they think they're going to settle and finally find happiness with the woman that's, you know, 10, 15, 20 years younger. I'm like, dude, you'll be on your third divorce. She's going to ask you, why are you watching this Ghostbusters thing? <laughs> it's, not, it's not even funny. You're going to be like, ah! what do you mean? It's not funny. Question for you. Who was the original singer of Van Halen? Sammy Hagar? No, you're way too young. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Never heard of him. Oh, uh, who is he? Who is Van Halen? <laughs> Ooh, man. Yeah. Uh, you just had an anniversary. Is that correct? June 11th. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Th yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. You got a beautiful yeah. family. You're, you know, every time. So how long have you guys been together? Thanks, brother. Thanks for all that. We met in, in 1999. We've been together. What? How many years is that? Shit. 22 years. You know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've been mm -hmm. with my wife since 1990. How'd you guys meet? Long time. We actually met in 1984. <laughs> junior high school. Tell me that story. I mean, we got time. Yeah, so yeah. How'd you meet? I what met happened? my wife in junior high school. I saw her in a music class, and she was playing the piano for the teacher, and I was like, what a fucking nerd. If the teacher asked me to do anything, I'd be like, hell no, I ain't gonna play no piano for you, bud. She was playing the piano, you know, take it from the top. I was like, what a kiss up. What kind of people are these? And then later on, she was just sort of funny to me. We always joked around. We were part of this. We became sort of part of the same clique of friends. And, you know, all through junior high school, high school, we were just friends, you know, like, you know, when you go, some of the people, if you remember way back in in your day, you go to a different school, you're down a different grade, and your friends change, and motherfuckers don't even fuck with you no more. <laughs> like, people that used to be your best folks, you just sort of wave at across the, the playground now, or whatever, the, the yard, yeah. and then you get a new group of people. That happens, you know. But she's one of the people, especially with me, the girls changed, you know, like, they went. For, they were going for different type of dudes, and I was definitely a strange person. So, all of a sudden, Gretchen was always—that's her name, Gretchen. She was always cool, always 
she was changing. I was changing. We were turning into different people. Yeah. But I'd see her all the time. And we'd be like, hey, what's up? And we'd always have the same vibe, they call it. Yes, yes. So the energy was always the same. So eventually, you know, we went to the senior ball thing together and we never went out with anybody else. That's awesome, man. That's such a cool story. We could both got lucky because we checked that list off. We don't have to deal with that bullshit. Yeah. Now all we have to do with this deal with this just each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's crazy. I mean, it's like, and I have a couple friends that married their high school sweethearts and they're still together. I mean, you know, like it's amazing. It's beautiful. Being in a classroom together and yes. knowing all the things that were happening, even if it's on a surface, you may not know what was going on in people's homes or in right. their hearts, but you were all sort of experiencing that same time in the same place. There's a connection there. And the younger you are, the more, the, the deeper the connection as the years go by. And you just look back and be like, oh yeah, Gretchen was there. Oh yeah, she remembers I used to do. Oh, she knows. You know, like my youngest daughter, Lily, was like kind of upset that you guys have known each other so long. <laughs> Like she's in junior high school or in high school now. And she's like, you guys knew each other when I was in this grade. And I was like, that's right. You remember that. On this side of the house, we got history. On that side of the house, you know what I'm saying? If you don't clean that room, you may not have much history left. <laughs> like your story can be short. Our story is already long. You know what I'm saying? You better do what we say. Yeah, <laughs> but it's interesting. I mean, what a beautiful example to set. But it's also like you know, I can imagine you know, uh, you know, like you set the bar very high. You know, it's like, can I clear that? You know, like, but you know, yeah, it just always seemed like this is the thing. You know, you I don't know for most people, but for us, once we settled into each other, we just got into a groove of being who we were. You know, yeah, uh, I know. I I didn't have to front. In front of her, I didn't have to act like right. a different cat, and she didn't have to act like a different person either. And right. we never have. So then, from right. there, we built our own language of friendship, you know, and our likes and stuff evolved into each other's likes. Shit, I didn't give a a damn about no damn CCR. <laughs> I didn't care about no damn eagles. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah. Didn't have to. I do now. Because yeah. <laughs> that's what she was yeah. sort of into. But we were both into hip-hop. Yeah. We were both super yeah. into, into Eric B. and Rakim and EPMD. So we had that. But Well, but th this idea, though, that you guys, th this idea that you guys are rooted, you know, like your relationship is rooted in in friendship. I mean, you were friends first, right? And And that is such an important, I think important point when Chan, like when my wife and I Channing, when she, when she and I met, I was living in Chicago with no, with every reason to stay right there. Cause I had a great life and she was here in LA and you know, all my boys back in Chicago were like, dude, why are you wasting your time? It's not going to last. You know, these long distance relationships don't last, but it's exactly why it did work. Right. Because you were always communicating. That's right. We had to talk every day, you know, and we just got to know each other. And you're not taking that time for granted because you know you you don't have that much time. You don't have 
got all this stuff to do and you're purposely carving out that time to spend with that person even if it's on the phone and it means a lot and the conversations get yeah. deeper you know I was thinking about yeah. like when you're a kid, you have, remember you said, y'all, your ear get hot using that damn phone so much, you know, like what the hell was y'all talking <laughs> exactly about? Exactly right. But you were really, those, like those people were, were everything, right? And yeah. having someone listen and listening to someone else, having that person have somebody to listen to is the biggest thing. And honestly, with any relationship, whatever, whomever you're with, if you're not listening to that person, it's never going to work. No. It's never going to work. It's yeah. never and people will tell you, if somebody asks you how your day was, it's because they want you they they want you to know how their day was. That's right. You know That's what I'm saying? Right. It's not just a polite thing they're saying. No. So I I go, well, well, well what happened today? What was popping? Did you do your damn thing or no? What's happening? But you always, I'm not the best husband ever made. That's, you know, like, I'm, I'm just trying to do my thing, but, you know. I think we one of the best couples ever. <laughs> it's because we, we're always, you know, getting each other's back, and you know, we argue and stuff. But that's people. That's more so. That's to be expected. These people that have these like unrealistic expectations. What the truth is, you know. What the truth is, how tall they want the person to be, you know, when they, you know, can they? It's all oh, this grocery list of shit you want from somebody. And for me, I never had it because I was too young and also just wanted a a friend. And she was a friend. And then beyond that, we became who we were. So that's all you can really ask. I was, I was talking to a dude the other day. I didn't even know him. We just, people come up and talk to me. So I was, I listen. It's, people are uh, drawn to you. People right? walk up to me and just start talking. Like, so if you hang out with me, just know that some strange motherfucker is going to walk up. <laughs> I don't know what they see, and they're like, I see you got that antenna that uh, <laughs> certain people can only see this fucking antenna. We're talking about relationships all of a sudden with this stranger, and he was he was giving me real real game, you know? Like, what, what was the biggest thing he told me? He was just like, you know, I actually I, I forgot what he said. Now it just slipped out of my mind. Now now that we're talking about it. <laughs> So it wasn't so great. It was, oh yeah, <laughs> it'll pop back yeah, in my head. The game was so good, you can't remember. The game was so, yeah, but he, well, he did. It'll pop back in my head. I'm sorry. I, yeah, yeah, as yeah. I said before, I'm an old man. But yeah, welcome like, to welcome to your fifties. Yeah, I, I was just talking about this with someone else, like just uh, love and relationships, and it's wonderful, man. But, I love that strangers gravitate to you, though. I just want to tell you shit, bro. I just walked to the liquor store before here to get this bottle of water. And the dude, I've only been in this particular liquor store like three times, but he talks to me like he knows me. For, he goes, hey, my brother. I'm like, what's up, man? He's like, you know, I'm not going to charge you the 75 cents for the use the card. No. Nope. And he starts doo, 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 doing all this stuff. He's like, you and me, we go way back. I was like, we do? Because I've been in this store three times in my life. And he was just like, you are my friend for life, and I would never charge you 75 cents. <laughs> I was like, all right, but I don't know who you think I am, but yeah, I'm, I'm fucking with you. That's a brilliant spin on customer service. You know what I mean? Just like. I hope he says this to everybody. <laughs> I hope that what happened was is the check X or the card company was like, we got a deal, man. You give people to use your card. We're not going to charge you the 75 cents for <laughs> And you can give that to every customer this month. <laughs> and they're like, man, this motherfucker don't even charge. 
a fee mm-hmm. on the th- oh man, I'm fucking with him. That's by, by the way, store by the way, customer this, voice. This inspires me. What was that movie? Was it Clerks? Clerks? Where they had the what, store? What was it? About the, the black and white movie, old boys yeah, movie yeah, with the yeah, two yeah, guys. Yeah. That, Kevin Smith's movie. Yeah. I yeah. assure you, anyway, we are it's, open. It's, it's the, the sign they would put up. <laughs> right. The story that you just told me sort of inspires me that like they need to come out with somebody needs to come out with a sequel or a version that could just call Liquor Store, and it's you know it's like oh, all the shit that goes down. <laughs> All the shit that goes down in a liquor store, you know? Bro, I had this this one, you know, as an artist or a young person even, you just get some shitty gigs to make ends meet, you know? And I had a gig where I had to go into liquor stores and change their signage for cigarette ads. They're like, oh, you're an art? You know art? You could, you could do these posters. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not art. <laughs> This is coupons, but, <laughs> but I'm going to do it. And so I literally went to every liquor store in the East Bank. Like, I, my territory was from Richmond all the way down to Newark. That's a big area. And I'd have a, yeah. a chunk of a city I'd have to do that day, like drop in on 50 stores. I got to see some shit, Ooh. bro. I saw some stuff in these liquor stores. I'm like, who do you call if somebody's got a rocket? Are y'all supposed to have a rocket, bro? I saw, I, you know, I saw some shit back there, bro. Like, was I supposed to see that? Also, people who rob liquor stores, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about robbing a liquor store, don't do that, bro. They got some shit behind that <laughs> counter. And some of these people want you to rob them because they want to test out this new machete or this, or this spray shot. <laughs> they want shotgun. to use this rocket they launcher. They want to use this rocket launcher on you, the grenade <laughs> launcher, bro. They've been itching for somebody to take some gum so they can launch an interballistic continental missile at their ass and, <laughs> and, and turn them into glass. It's not worth it. It is not worth it. I'm like, these are swords. Part of the job was to go behind the... I was like, you got a sword? Goddamn, bro. Who comes in here? <laughs> Wait, what's a guillotine doing back here? Yeah, like a We're going to catch like, a motherfucker. We have an Iron Maiden. Is shove you in the box. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my God. That's clay. Yeah, you could write a book. Just, you know, just have a podcast called Liquor Store. <laughs> it's just all the stores. All this shit I've seen. I don't have, uh, you know, any real good liquor stores, stories. Although I've been in plenty. I just don't have very many good stories. But I, I do remember we... We used to have this video. We were bouncing around Chicago one day. My buddy had a video camera. And, you know, this was back in the day when, you know, actually a video camera was a pretty luxurious, high-tech thing, man. I was like, oh, shit, somebody's got a video camera. So we went around and we were just shooting shit. And we were standing on the corner. I think it was Wabash and Van Buren or something. There was a liquor store there. I don't know who this guy was. I don't know if he was homeless. I don't know what his story was. He looked a little rough. He comes out the liquor store and he's got one of those big bottles of Mad Dog, you know, one of the big bottles. And I I say to my buddy, I said, man, you got to get this. So anyway, so he like starts like filming. And the dude just walks to the street corner, cracks the bottle, puts the bottle to his lip and we had the video of him just drinking the whole bottle in one never never took it off his mouth just that's that get right like holy shit he had to get right bro yeah man he was thirsty he was thirsty he had to get right yeah they call it that's the doctor's medicine he had to get this here cracking boy 
Yeah, man, I can't. I can only imagine how his liver was treating him. I ain't gonna judge. I'm on my third liver. <laughs> yeah. Ooh-wee. That's scary stuff. You had a liver operation? Mm-hmm. Oh no, no, I was uh, I was ba- I was making a bad joke. I shouldn't kid about such serious things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Yeah, there's a market for uh, it. Hard to get, I hear. Yeah, I heard. Depends what part of the yeah. internet you're on. Yeah, man. There's a there's a lot of stuff going on in these little stores, and I that's a, it, circles right back to Hoodfoot and his friends because there's a lot of that sort of stuff happening. Great source material. Haven't you know? Just listening is you know like any other storyteller. You listen to other people's stories. Hopefully, things happen to you as well. So, yeah, and I'll always be ready. The thing I'm putting up today happened because I was in a parking lot this morning. Oh wow! I was putting my coffee in uh, <laughs> in the car, and I sat down in the car, and I saw the thing happening, and I was like, uh, "Just get up and go film that thing. Just get up, put your coffee back down, <laughs> go film that thing, and then when you get to the studio, when you're working on other stuff." Either today you'll come up with an idea with that thing, or tomorrow you will, and then, or never. But at least you took that yeah, you moment to do it. It's the, for me like filming stuff and making sure I frame it up and making it good is the equivalent of jotting down an idea. You know, just like oh, and we've got so many cool technologies now, man. You got all these apps. You can you can just you can spitball something and work it out real quick on your phone and go on about your yep. business. And then look at it later. You know, I you know, I use one of these Adobe programs where I draw something and on a piece of paper and scan it and when I go back to my studio, it's already open in Illustrator. Wow. <laughs> it's like I couldn't imagine anything like that before. You know, and it, that frees me yeah. up too. Because sometimes in that heat of the well, moment, we kinda don't have an excuse now. I you mean don't there, have there are excuse. no excuses, right? Zero yeah. excuses. Yeah, because, you know, even that program, even though, I I mean, yeah, you got to have an Adobe subscription and all that shit, but you can get it at your level. You know what I'm saying? So like, oh, I'm a student. Perfect. Because I got a student rate. You know, like. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. No, I'm a constant. I'm constant. a lifelong learner. You know what I mean? Like, so I've told many students of mine, I'm like, well, when you get out of school and you don't want to buy this program, just enroll in a course at a JC whether you do it or not, so that you have student status mm-hmm. and that you can get discounts on all this shit. Totally. You know? And if it's a class, be smart. Take a class, a figure drawing class. Like, right. you can never have enough figure drawing classes, dog. Just go do that. You don't have to be so smart. learning anything or getting the best grade. You are learning something. Plus, you're getting a discount right. for that fucking software. And you were going to yep. draw anyway. Yep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you were going to draw anyway. I mean, this is called a win, win, win. Yeah. Also, drawing with other people sharpens your sword, you know? Being in the classroom. A lot of people are like, oh, should my kid go to school? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you can learn so much online. I'm like, yeah, you can learn. Hell, you can learn anything online right now. But what you can't get is a future film crew or a future collaborator. Right, right. With the motherfucker sitting right your, next your to crew. you. Yeah. You know, when they make you do those, especially film school, like when you do these projects where everybody has to be involved, you mm-hmm. get to learn how to work. When I went to film school, the head of the, the first day, they, they were like, be nice because the person sitting next to you could be running a studio and mm-hmm. you want them to green light your project and you were an asshole back in high school or back in college. 
And now nope. your career is fucked up because you were a jerk dick. And so that's been my number one rule in life is be nice. That's it. Be nice, baby. Just that's be nice. It. You don't cost anything. Oh, you're right, man. I mean, you know, it doesn't cost you anything to smile but and be nice and hold the door for somebody and not be an asshole. I'm totally about civil society. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. and, and at the same time, I'm down with civil unrest, too. So just don't, don't, don't get it twisted, people. <laughs> yeah, that's not exactly. You know, when you got to get hard, like, you see somebody come and hold the door open for, for, for your player partner, you know, like just, you know, they don't even have to say thank you. Just do it. Yeah. Go through life you know, this, not doing uh, anything to get a reward. Just do it because you do it. That's right. Just do it because it's the right fucking thing to do. Say yeah. excuse me. Just regular people shit. And it's okay to be like, that person's an asshole. They didn't hold the door for me. <laughs> like, you don't have to be a, like a thing that people walk over. You know, somebody's throw rug, but you do your part. That's one thing my pops did. Like, he modeled, like, the idea of, like, if you see someone that needs something, like a help or whatever, if it's something easy, you know, I'll just fucking stop and do it. You know? Yeah, man. There was a yeah. car broke down here in front of this, on my corner here, and I was walking mm-hmm. through the store, and I was like, they got out, and they're trying to push. This is the blackest thing that can happen, <laughs> by the way. And some brothers had broke down. I'm walking. They were young cats. They jumped out. There's a car walks across the street. And the OG brother saw, I saw, and we all ran to, like four people ran to that car and started pushing it. And they got it going. And they was like, oh, we got it going. And, they, and we all just turned around and kept moving. That shit don't happen in, I've seen, don't happen in white neighborhoods. <laughs> no. <laughs> They'll no. see that. Like, we just keep driving. Move your shit. Oh, they have AAA. Yeah. Move your shit. <laughs> right. Get a new car. Yeah. <laughs> but here they was like, because yeah, everybody knows in this neighborhood, everybody probably experienced some shit like that. Where they're like, damn, I wish somebody had helped. And I think that's a thing that's you got to right. just do in life. Like, what if that's you that spilled all your groceries? What if that's you who lost your purse? What if that's you who don't know how to fix a flat tire or change a tire? Jump in. Just jump in real quick, yeah. bro. And you get some great stories that way too. I mean, you know, like you meet people, you have great stories. And I remember uh, I was actually, I flew into Oakland. This was a few, a few years ago. I flew into Oakland and I walked out to the curb to wait for my ride. And I, and I go to walk to the curb and I look down and there's a cell phone that somebody had dropped, you know, just right there. Right. So without thinking twice about it, of course, I picked it up. And I looked at the uh, most recent call. Like, I just wanted to see, like, and the, the most recent call was to wife. It just said wife, right? And so I hit, I said, well, I'm going to call, I'm going to call the wife, tell her what's up, you know? So I hit the call button. It rings once and I hear, hey. And I said, before you continue, this isn't your husband. <laughs> Before you say something crazy, before before you say the next thing, hold that thought. Clearly, clearly they had a good morning before he left, you know. And uh, and, and I was like, I found your husband's phone. (laughs) 
just want to get it back to him. You know, she, oh my God, you're so, that's so kind. Da, 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 da. And, you know, long story short, I got the phone to him. But, you know, it's like that made my day. Like, I, <laughs> it's like, oh, hey. I was, uh, yeah, my wife you. and I saw it like this is many years ago. We were driving through Piedmont, which is a part of Oakland, and we saw a car drive by, like, like around us super fast, like they were running from somebody. And then the police, so we kind of pull over. Mm-hmm. And then we saw that the car in front of them, the police kept going, but they had thrown a purse out. So somebody had jacked somebody's purse and like the police were in pursuit. So we pulled yeah. over and picked up the purse and it, the, there was a woman's stuff still in there, like her ID and her, like they didn't mm-hmm. get the, the stuff that they wanted, you know? And so mm-hmm. we went through everything, found her. This is the pre-internet accessibility. This is in the early 90s when this happened. Yeah, yeah. And we got it <clears throat> and got in touch with a friend of hers through her phone book and they got in touch with her and she ended up coming to my house. She was so rude. She was oh. so sure that we had something to do with this. And she's like, "You, I guess you want a reward." I was like, "No, no, we just didn't want you want you not to have your regularized purse." You know, so <laughs> you never know what people are going to do. But I felt like yeah, we man. felt like true detectives. <laughs> you know, back in the day, when you're trying to contact somebody, it's not just like, "Oh, I got their name," and that don't mean shit, bro. You got to do. Like I said, it's not it's the internet. Work. Like so, we had to do some work. Work calling people, going through the books. Oh no, I haven't talked Ooh. to her in years. Like shit. Okay, keep going. <laughs> I think I found her sister in the book. Like, oh, this is her sister right here. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've seen that happen. I've been involved in a few of those sort of like, hey, here's your shit. You know, other people have been like, oh my god, did you save my life? But you just get to meet a weird, random person that's you know either got robbed or just not very careful. The stories, it's like, it's karma, right? I mean, you, you, you're sort of investing in, I'm remembering, you know, back in Chicago, you know, in the nineties, walking down the street and there was just a fucking wallet, just a wallet laying there, you know, and a driver's license, there was cash in there, you know, driver's license, you know, some, some woman from uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And to your point, there's no phone number on there, you know, and I, I just, I just took it, I packaged it up, mailed it. Just mailed it back. You know, I figure someday I'm going to lose my wallet. Maybe this will come back, you know. It is karma, man. I had steaks delivered to my house one time. You know, remember Omaha steaks? Yeah. A big-ass box. How the hell did you get it? A, a big-ass yeah. box got delivered to my house. And I opened it up. I was like, it had dry eyes and shit. I was like, honey, did you order lobster tails and hella steaks? Like, you a boss. She was like, no. And I looked. I was like, oh, this is not our, this is not for us. Like, Maybe I thought maybe right. somebody gifted to us. Like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, I guess nobody I know is generous because this ain't ours. They don't know that it got delivered to my house. Right, right, right. This could be dinner. You could, you could eat. I could <laughs> put the shit on the grill right now, but by the time they figure it out, you can't have it back. It's part of me now. <laughs> it's gone. We yeah. we ate it. <laughs> but oh, we, I we figured out. I was like, oh, food. they. This is a block over. It's the same house right. number, but it's a different street. So yeah. I got it, went to these people's house. I said, they're going to be juiced when they get these steaks, blood. No, they weren't even there. But I <laughs> left it on their porch. They have no idea that yeah. I was about to eat their steaks. <laughs> <laughs> I drive by that house all the time. I'm like, you only knew. If you just opened the door, you would have been like, come in and eat. 
<laughs> and I think somebody in their family had just sent them that stuff, so they didn't even know it was coming. Yeah. The moral of the story is be nice, man. I think my time is coming up here. Yeah, I guess I guess wow, two hour block, man. We 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 had some fun. I love it. I feel like we barely even scratched the surface. We did. We we only scratched the surface, which is why you gotta come back, which is why we gotta talk about us doing some stuff together. So uh, I tell you what, I'm gonna well, let, we're gonna sign off. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Miles, Mr. Roy Miles, creator of Hoodfoot, for blessing us uh, with your intelligence and your character and your creativity today. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you guys for having me. Hey there. Thanks for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode, write a review, and share with your friends on social. And if you haven't already done so, please press the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at NotRealArtWorld.